Kyle Reynolds is one of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. I met him years ago when he worked at Half Price Books and Records in the Dallas area. He's always been a musician and a creative person. You may have heard about an event he organized called the Open Carry Guitar Rally, which was a lighthearted response to Texas gun activists. He also went off and started an online political cartoon called The End Times, found at slugnuts.com, and more recently launched the Slugnuts Radio Hour podcast. I'm Dave Austin, and who are these people? Say something. Uh, do you have the... Can you hear me? Yeah, and I'm rolling. Did you make sure that... Oh, okay. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. A lot exactly. of sci-fi ideas are becoming real now. Yeah. It's like Barbarella's tongue box. Yellow. Yeah. Yellow. It is therapeutic. The last generation to be raised without the internet. Yeah. The first generation to jump into the internet. What, what does it mean? Like, did it really even happen? So, Kyle. Do you consider yourself a hippie? Yeah, I guess so. I guess I guess I do. You know, um... Okay, first tell me, when I say the word hippie, what comes to your mind? Well, when you say the word hippie, like what comes to my mind immediately are, are like Grateful Dead fans. Um, and I'm not like that. Right. Um, but I, I think that I embrace all of the other, like the, the philosophical tenets of hippiedom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I believe that w- without maybe without the outer uh, without the outer uh, showing, Got I guess. It. Yeah, does that make sense? It does. And the the funny thing is, like, well, I asked the question because to me, the fact the the very word hippie is like such an anachronism these days. Like, yeah, yeah. the ana- the amount of people in the world who would even register like a a thought a meme of what that is is getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, that's true. I haven't thought of it that way. Wow. And then the whole concept of hippiedom really had, <laughs> like went through a whole arc where it kind of like played out, you know. And yeah, the 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 first things I think of like when you when I hear the word is well, when I was like I remember when hippies actually roamed the earth, you know, when there were yeah there were actual yeah. real live hippies, what we would call hippies. I remember right. when I was a kid. Like the first thing that comes to my mind would be people in the grocery store wearing bell bottoms and no shoes, and yeah. the bottom of their feet was like black because they'd been walking yeah. everywhere with no shoes. And yeah, yeah. and you know, <laughs> I was like little, so I was looking up. So of course, the bell bottoms and the and the bare feet were like the thing. The, that's right. really the, what what I remember, and. You don't see that anymore, to say the no, least. No, no, you don't. I think you just sort of described while you were describing that. I was imagining a fabulous furry freak brothers. Yeah, 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 cartoon. yeah. That, that yeah. they like, they like were almost. the embodiment because, and that's also like that's what hippies were like in Texas. There was a special kind of Texas hippie, yeah. I think, where you know your San Francisco hippie is something that I don't know. That was probably more of just a whole media creation, anyhow. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, come to San Francisco with the flowers in your hair, and then the summer of love. That that was a very rarefied thing. That was yeah, it was a media creation. I think more than anything else. But 
that media splash spread across the U.S. and there were people that adopted different parts of it in their own way. Yeah. And the yeah, Texas one, yeah. yeah, I think Fabulous fabulous Furry Freak Brothers kind of are crumb sort of they yeah. mixed in with like a blue collar, more of a blue collar, uh, uh, you know, Lone Star beer kind of. Yeah, yeah. Aesthetic. Yeah, it, yeah, it was exactly. its own mix. It was, it was, yeah, yeah. No, I, no, I like that. And then, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, the peace and love thing. Um, well, this is another funny thing. Is like, okay, I've I've witnessed pretty much the up. If is if the hippie arc, you know, is a parabola or whatever, <laughs> a curve. <laughs> so I was born. It was already on the upswing when I was born, and I I, I think I witnessed probably the the peak and the crash of it, and yeah. then and then in the crash of it was when I was old enough to like read up on what had just previously happened in the previous generation. Right. right and so right. you read you read about the the youth movement and you know the the Vietnam War protests and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. of course I was uh uh philosophically aligned with that. You know, uh, my my earliest political uh philosophy came from uh, Michael Stivitz on uh, on the family. You know, that was that was yeah the, yeah absolutely that was like yes. my first exposure to it and yes. then you went through all of that and then that same generation that was that age vietnam war fighting and protesting age it's also the same people who came you know created the whole neocon uh nightmare yeah. that we're living in now and even, yeah and even clinton who seemed to like be part of that uh, Bill Clinton, that is, you know, he he did a lot of made a lot of decisions that also brought about the, you know, basically right. the, the death of any kind of hope and promise that that hippie movement had ever right. offered. Right. And well, here we are I, today. Thanks a lot. Exactly. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Let me let me let me, let me dust these radioactive ashes off this. Uh, off this microphone right. so that and we can continue we are to in speak. our bunkers waiting for the bomb to drop <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I i think that i think you're right i think that's uh i think that's a very good uh summary uh, of that and you know i i because i i've asked i've asked this question of of other people trying to kind of understand because you know with uh not to delve too deeply into politics here but um you know, with Trump's election, um, you know, there there seems to be like uh, amongst people uh, uh, of my circle, like your circle, I guess, are probably the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's like this feeling of despair, you know, and, and and just like, oh my God, this is this is the end, and and I and I've you know, it, it's a time of social upheaval, and and those things happen, and and so I've I've tried to seek out people uh who were alive and aware in the 60s um when that was happening because that was another time of you know of sort of a society sort of dealing with changes yeah and and it's it's chaotic and i and i've always i've asked those people the question always asked those people is like did you feel at that point like were you more full of hope during that time or were you more f- or, or did you feel like the world was going to come crumble on you like, right. at any minute what did they and, say 
Well, most of them said that they feel they felt hope then and they feel like it's crumbling now. And that's really, you know, uh, that's really depressing. Um, but but a common theme that I get from those people is they feel like they didn't ride the hippie move like they were hippies and it was fantastic and they had this movement and then they just didn't ride it to completion. Like had they done that, maybe we wouldn't yeah. be in this mess we are right now. But they kind of, you know, rested on their laurels and let this sort of slide in and now we're taking like the second dose of it and it's a lot more so it's a lot more devastating than than it was the first go. Right. So well, that is very interesting and I I I hear what you're saying and I have by reaction and it's kind of hard to express cuz I have like two simultaneous kind of contradictory contradictory uh reactions to that that are that are like narratives going on in my mind. Uh, and so I'll start with one. I'll start with the more positive one, which is my perspective out here on the other side of the world. Cause uh, right, I do live right. in Singapore. I've been in Singapore for 11 years. So wow. I am, I get, I have the benefit of watching this from a, a distance where I do not have to bear the brunt of all the real uh, right. pain of it. Cause I, I, I was th- during the I remember the Bush administration, which was very incredible pain, incredibly painful for me. Yeah, like I yeah, really, it really hurt. It really did a number on me. We so, really thought that was we really thought that was horrible until this one came <laughs> along. <laughs> and so that one, and that that pain kind of inoculated me a bit, to so where I was a little bit more prepared for this. But then also, I, I just I I don't have to live in that media environment. I don't yeah. have to see it and feel it and taste it every day. But from a distance, now of course when when the election happened, I was quite devastated. But since yeah. then, I've actually kind of been a bit encouraged by what I've seen uh mm-hmm. because for one, I think to me it looks like a lot of people are paying attention now who didn't used to pay attention. That that is absolutely true. That is the silver lining. Yep. Is is it took us? Uh, it it took that to get us uh, to get us you know mobilized. Mm-hmm. So that's and, one and thing. I think that's a great thing. Yeah, yeah pe- people are mobilized. People are engaged. People are active that otherwise may not have been. Uh, another thing that is heartening has been just the. Uh, rank incompetence of the team that he put together uh yeah uh, mr trump because he, he has not he d- he did not know how government worked and didn't, right and at didn't, all and didn't listen to people who did so right. he could have done a lot more damage at this point if he was let's say as knowledgeable as dick cheney about how the government actually That's- works so, That's absolutely it. Is uh, w- uh, watching all of this unravel. Uh, you know, you saw you saw the signs of fascism. You saw you saw all of this kind of you know. The, if you've at all paid attention to history, you you saw these little hallmarks, kind of these little warning bells coming along. And I think you're you're exactly right with that point. Is if if there were somebody who had ridden that that wave. Who was actually competent, right? And, and evil, 
we would be in a really, really terrible place right now. Yeah. I but mean, but Trump he rode that exploited the moment, but he yeah, didn't he ex- have the knowledge and the strategy to do as much damage as he could. Exactly. And exactly. it really makes so you, I, in a way, I have like uh, a begrudging respect for like Cheney that, God damn it, he, I mean, he's true, truly evil in my opinion, but he was professional. He was a professional evil person. Right, right. yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He had, a, he, he, he had done his homework, and right. he can read and speak in complete sentences, which right. more and, and more what, has you know, become like a... I've, I feel so grateful just when I can meet someone that can speak in complete sentences. Like, th- that's how that, low my bar has been lowered. I know. I know. It, it really is. <laughs> it's so shameful. Okay. Oh, and let me, God. before I forget, let me keep going on this positive track a bit. Yeah. So that's two things. As people are mobilized. Second is he's been incompetent. Uh, third is that a lot of the damage that he is doing is by executive order, which can be right. undone easily by another president. Right, absolutely. You know, it just takes another election, and then all those executive orders can be reversed. Right, yeah. It doesn't feel like any long-term damage has been done yet. Right. He. Right. I mean, he's enriching himself, Ill- you yeah. know, uh, unethically, but, all right, fine. That's, you know, that's like that that parable the parable like when you bring the scorpion across the river and it bites you and then it says, well, you knew I was a scorpion when you gave me a ride. I don't right, remember the right. setup, but it's that whole thing. It's like, yeah, 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 no, yeah no, exactly. no one can be surprised. Right, exactly, yeah. Now, the caveat there is that we're still in, uh, he's ratcheted up global tensions and he's seen that he's gotten uh, praise for using Tomahawk missiles. And so... Right. Uh, War wise, who knows what's going to happen? But yeah, that, that wise, was really domestic was wise. Very, I think things could recover, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I'm, and I'm curious uh, to uh, um, I, to I'm, uh, to ask you this question: Is um, from where you sit, you're a lot closer to like you know uh, some sort of North Korea problem? Mm-hmm. Um, what, uh, what? How does that feel over there? Well, in Singapore specifically, we are quite safe, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's no missiles pointed at us. I'm sure the bulk of them are pointed at South Korea and Japan. Yeah. Um, and even if there were a conflagration, it would take quite a while before the um, the radioactivity would reach it well it depends on which way the jet stream's going and stuff but i think yeah I, th- I mean this is like very kind of callous way to look at it but i think uh geographically we're far enough away where we would not be feeling the brunt of, right. of if something went went down but right. geopolitically of course everyone here is yeah, engaged okay, yeah. in right. and yeah. people here have a i think a much better understanding of how Asia works and what's going on in Asia. And yeah, people are quite concerned about the way things are going with North Korea, Mm. but it's, I haven't felt any like really despair or worry or people are not running around with their hair on fire yet. Okay. Kind of like, all right, this is where we are. Let's see what happens. Um, No one has 
no one's freaking their shit yet. Okay. Which is a good yeah, I thing. Yeah, I was just curious, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, but of course it's on, I mean, people talk about it. It's definitely in people's minds. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I I work in a environment, professional environment where, like I was just at a, one of our clients had a huge investors conference and they had like big speakers come and, you know, they had panel discussions on all manner of things and Trump and North Korea and all this kind of stuff. It's on people's minds. People are talking about it. Um, in some ways they're talking about it like, well, why, you know, I don't think the markets have priced in a, uh, you know, they're not pricing in a, a nuclear war in North Korea. You know, they're like actually talking about the financial implications it would have on right, the world right, and stuff right. like that. But also it's just like people are wondering what's going to happen. Yeah. So that's one thing. Um, yeah. And let me go back to where I guess the other yeah. uh, parallel track of this whole hippie generation uh, political evolution of the u.s is going is okay no before i before i change tracks the the fourth thing i don't know if i'm at third or fourth the last thing of the positive reaction is that really domestically from my perspective looking at the united states from here things are still not as bad as they were in the 60s you know things actually Ah. were a lot worse than yeah the Okay. You were you had people were coming out of Jim Crow. Uh, there were there was a draft, so people yeah, were yeah, being right, sent to war, right, right, war right, without yeah. their consent, and you had assassinations. Um, and right, there was, I keep waiting for those to start happening oh any day now. Oh, you know, knock on wood. Um, yeah, uh, you know, and there there were the now that racism that that was made it so horrible back then we've seen hasn't gone away but i think right. real objectively i think it's still it's a lot it's so much weaker than it had been at one yeah. point you know at one point you actually had in the entire power structure of many states that was resisting a hundred percent any social change and that's where and there was and they were willing to use violence to to keep right, it. Right. So, I think yeah, no, in that, reality, that's, that's an interesting are, perspective. Know, yeah, and things have you know, you got to look at the progress that has been made. Gay marriage is legal, right? Right. I mean, and that gosh, happened like, so quickly. Yeah, like eight it was years amazing ago, that, how quickly that seemed that happened. like yeah. still like a fight that was going to go on for a long time. Right. And now right. it's basically the law of the land, and it would take. I don't think anybody has the uh, energy to reverse that. I don't think it's going to be reversed. Right, right. You know, well, so you know, things like that. I'm, I'm very, uh, you know, as, as much as the, as the election of Trump really depressed me, I'm still very optimistic about the future because, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, if you look going, if you're a student of history at all, you, you know, you, you understand that these waves happen, the pendulum swings, and and this is i believe this is necessary for us to evolve you know this is this is that necessary like the ripping off the band-aid and the ugly shit comes up to the top and and we all have to deal with it 
but then when the pendulum swings back, we're we're more mobilized now. We we have a fresh. I think I think this is an important thing that now that we're mobilized and we're we're moving back, we we have this fresh taste of like what all of those warnings that people gave you <laughs> like early on like um you know like frank zappa used to warn of of fascism and authoritarianism and you know you hear all these things and it all seemed like conspiracy theory and everybody you know you could you could dismiss all of those things mm-hmm. but now we have a really fresh taste in our mouth uh, of like when it goes wrong, like what it, what, how really fucking horrible it is, mm-hmm. you know? And I think with everybody with that feeling still in their gut, kind of moving back towards progress, I think that's going to benefit us mm-hmm. because we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to attack, we're, we're going to hit those laws and we're going, we're going to, I, I don't know, I, I feel like I've just kind of, Move myself off off my topic there, but no, but, I got you. I got you. Y- 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 you know what I mean? That, I mean, I, it's like that. Uh, it's like a smell. <laughs> you once you got a whiff of it that it was real. That that things yeah. can go wrong. You can't just sit on your sofa and right and y- you know if there if things go south, it's real. Like it became visceral to people instead of just right. an abstract idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. It used to be theoretical and now people are seeing it. You see what you see what the you know, the if you if you sow hate and fear and you know, you see what you reap now. And and that's I think that's an important lesson for everybody to have, you know, just right there in their face. Uh, yeah. you know, as we try well, to progress. Too bad it you know, it's, I was just talking to my other friend about this. You know, humans as individuals and as groups, you, you can still only learn. Sometimes you have to learn the hard way. Like right. when you're raising a child, and I remember myself as a child, at some point I had to touch the stove to find out it was hot. Right. I had to burn right. my right. fucking finger, and then it's like, right. oh, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Now, That's now I what understand they were telling. what hot means for the rest of my life. Right. You're like, that's what all of my elders were warning me exactly. about. <laughs> it, it, you can, uh, it doesn't matter how many warnings you get and how well they are explained. There's something in your lizard brain that has to right. experience it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think we're going to be better for that, you know, however yeah. painful it is right now. I think so too. But now let me, now I know what I was going to say about the other parallel track of a reaction that's going on okay. in my head which is specifically the, and it, it goes to what you were saying, you heard feedback from people who were alive in the 60s where they felt like if they had just finished the job, they, they had regrets that they didn't see it through to the end. Because I really do feel like the youth culture, there was a couple of things that were bigger than the, individuals involved one was the demographics that it was the baby boom generation you had this enormous group of people that were all born within five or ten years of each other that all had a similar experience and then they reacted and you had a genuine youth culture resistance movement 
But I think at the core of it, it was because you had the draft and you had people fighting for their lives, basically. Right. And then I feel like once the draft was lifted and once Vietnam, you know, once Hanoi fell and that that war was over, I feel like that whole resistance kind of petered out. Right. And people went about their own, you know, started focusing on their own lives, which, you know, of course, that's natural and I'm not going to say. Yeah, sure. But right, right. Everything lost momentum. And I feel the same thing kind of happened in the feminist movement where you had feminists fighting hard for rights. But then like it seemed like, especially in the 80s, there was a certain time where enough middle class women had enough rights for them. And they felt like, okay, well, my life's okay now. So there was no longer a fight anymore. And I think a lot of the fronts, there were things like that where people who had been very pushed into more radical positions or more oppositional positions, once they reached a level of comfort for themselves, things just were like, all right, we're going to settle in here and, you know, I'm okay and let's get back to business. And then things lost momentum. And then the, the right the right wing, the conservatives who had been pushed back by this youth movement, then they had a a power vacuum to kind of seep back in or um, mm-hmm. creep back in or uh, there's some more evil, sinister word I'm trying to find yes. out. They, they insidiously, uh, dev- uh, they, they came out of the ooze and created, came back in. Right. And right. then there's one more pop, pop culture reference that I want to tie this all up with, which is, if you remember the movie Animal House, I don't know about I, I you, do. but of course, when I watched <laughs> Animal House, I identified with the Animal House fraternity. You know, yeah, absolutely. With all the rebels and the riffraff and the the losers right. and the misfits. And at the end of that movie, when they've ruined the parade and they've had their, their wherewithal and they've had their fun, you, and the movie's over, you're like, Oh God, we won, and those squares are just so square, and yeah. the, and the rebels are cooler. But then, if you yeah. remember the end of the movie, they have like the "Where are they now?" kind of parts where they would show a freeze frame of the different people. Oh, and like yeah. some of them, so many of them, they're like now works for the Reagan administration, and right? So, and I right, just feel like that's right. Those squares actually came back and won, and those people right. that were made fun of in Animal House, that was Dick Rumsfeld. That was, I mean, that was Rumsfeld. Was was Donald? That was Donald Rumsfeld. Donald that was Dick Cheney. Yeah. That was uh, Wolfowitz. Right. That was all these people who had felt like they'd been made fun of in the '60s and '70s, and they just bided their time, and they and they got the upper hand. And you know, we all a really, had a, yeah. we all had fun watching the movie, eating popcorn, and and drinking beer, but they were the ones who had the last laugh. Yeah, they they were persistent, you know, um, and patient. You know, that's interesting because uh, Mike and I, uh, my my partner with uh, Slugnut stuff, is uh, we were discussing how we were discussing Revenge of the Nerds the other day, mm-hmm. and how like <laughs> like we were jokingly talking about how that that movie sort of shaped my worldview. <laughs> you know, it shaped it did. I I would venture that it did shape shape. Uh, the popular opinion or, or, you know, it shaped the zeitgeist in a way. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, 
I, I, I feel because I totally identified with those guys. And I, you know, the joke that Mike and I were doing is like, you know, it's like all those guys in high school that we hated are running the world now. You know, all those meatheads yeah. who were like, pu- like punching each other in the Paul shoulder. Ryan, man, that, that guy, those pictures yeah. of him lifting weights with like the backwards hat on and saying that he listens to Rage Against the Machine. I mean, yeah, that is like, that is the, the middle school douchebag. That, exactly. Yeah, and, and that's my yeah. response. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> no, and we were we were talking about that, and I was just thinking, it's like all those dudes, like, like I I guess I had satisfied myself by thinking, oh, you know, those guys, they're like the alpha males, they're popular in high school right now, but you know, we're going to be the ones who, you know, go to Silicon Valley and become billionaires, and you know, <laughs> we're <laughs> well, that, but that did happen. They, they, they yeah. both happened. Yeah, <laughs> and and just. Uh, but I, it feels like I've been fighting these guys all my life. Yeah. Like all all my life, those guys have been there, and now they're on the global scene with nuclear weapons. Yeah. You know, like slapping their their missiles around at each other, like punching each other in the arm, right. and daring each other Snapping to do stuff. Pals like, in the in the locker room. Yeah, and making making crude comments about the girls that oh, walk it's just by. Locker room talk. Yeah, like you know, I mean, by the pussy. It, yeah, it's 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 those guys that I have hated ever since I knew they existed, and they've just sort of like we've we've been at odds, and now they rule the world. Yeah, yeah it's really but, yes. You know, this is and this is how my dark mind works. Is I think, oh well, but you know, imagine how black people feel. They've been yeah. dealing with the uh, same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. same oppressors still and yet they end up getting killed or shot whereas we just get and right. we end up getting upset <laughs> and pissed off right well that was one of the, that was something i was going to add to your conversation about people who join movement and they're all up in arms and mobilized and then they get comfortable again and then the, everything goes back to normal right and that's 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 one of the criticisms you heard about uh, the women's march, you know, is that it's really fantastic that all these people are here and and everybody loves it, but uh, you know I heard a lot of uh, people from the black community saying you know I hope you all show up at the next Black Lives Matter march, you know it right it, it it's just because <laughs> so if everything goes back to normal for you. Are you yeah. still going to take that? Are you still going to take that passion and come and help us? No, exactly. You know, because we're and we're historically still that has this. not happened in America. Right, that's right. been the problem. Right, you absolutely. need things. But I mean, but that that's like that's the meaning of solidarity, where right. you have like solidarity movements, where you have to have the people who are comfortable, who people who have money and jobs have to somehow see that their fate is tied to the people who are less comfortable right. and who have less resources. Right, absolutely. That's what it'll come down to. And I've seen some, like I said, I've seen some movement towards that. Well, it remains to be seen whether it will finish out that way or not. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a very interesting time. I'm going back to the bunker now. Nice talking to you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, Jesus. (laughs) You have been becoming more and more politically involved Mm -hmm. over the past. How many, when did you start? With your 
slug nuts. And w- all right, tell me, what is slug nuts? What is the end times? What is the difference between them all? Who are you and what the hell are you doing? Yeah, that's well, there seems to be some, there is some sort of confusion. And that is because Mike and I are uh, we're terrible at branding and business. So um, slug that's nuts. That's why we love you. Yeah, exactly. We're we're obviously not professionals at this. Um, we what happened is we decided we wanted to start doing a cartoon. Um, Mike and I used to be. I I have since stopped drinking. I haven't had a drink in probably three years now. I guess, but uh, Mike and I used to go uh, get drunk a lot and hang out in bars, and okay. we would we would find like people like hanging around us, listening to us tell stories. And so we thought eventually we, Mike and I have worked together forever. Like, uh, he was at my first it job and then I moved and he came to the next job with me. And like, we keep every time one of us goes to a new job, we bring the other one with us. So it seems like we've worked together forever, but, um, so we we were just sitting around and we decided we wanted to do this we wanted to uh, do this cartoon, and so I started drawing it up and uh, we Mike had a domain name that he thought was funny Slug Nuts, which I still really don't care for to be honest with you. But <laughs> so that was his contribution, huh? Yeah, yeah. He was like it. It was just it was a free domain. It was a domain name that we already owned, you know. So we're uh-huh. like, oh hey, let's let's just throw it there. So the idea was that <laughs> this is brilliant branding, right? It was that um, slugnuts.com would be a website that would it, we we would be able to host all of our different excursions into. Uh, idiocy right and the first thing would be the cartoon uh the end times it's called the end times okay yeah so the end times is the cartoon it's hosted on slugnuts.com and now we have this podcast and you can also get that there we also have like in the works we have uh like a comedy podcast that's actually scripted um, okay. with voice with voice actors and everything that that will be on on that side as well and uh, we also Mike has been really uh, <laughs> he's written the lyrics for uh, an entire bro country album uh, that just is like bro country except all of the lyrics are about homosexual encounters okay. and so yeah, so he thinks that's hilarious, and and parts of it are, and so we were actually like, I have Logic Pro set up, and I'm creating like bro country backing tracks and stuff like that, and so so the Slugnuts website will eventually like house all of those like adventures into stupidity that we that we decide. We're so you're you're expanding your idiocy. You've got yes, more idiocy yes. and stupidity to come. Right, exactly. All right, well, something to look forward to. <laughs> now, is Slug Nuts, is that the game where you hit people in the nuts? Was that what, what the inspiration was? I don't even know, it rhymes to be with honest with Like on a hubcap or on a, on a tie think, or something? I think that's it. Is, um, I remember when he bought, the, he bought the domain like years ago, and he was telling me he bought it. And I think he bought it trunk one night, and I think it was just because oh, it rhymed. Purchase, okay. 
Yeah, I think no, it would, I'm, I'm it, getting it. I'm get, I, I see. I see. I think, it's all coming together. It rhymed with lug nuts and yep. slug nuts, and he thought it was funny over I swear, a beer. Ask, and so ask he him fought. when you see him again. Did people ever hit him in the nuts and say slug nuts? Okay. I think okay. That's yeah. Like one of those games, like slug bug or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I, I didn't even know that. Um, yeah, fact, and he had he had. He, I think it's at the exact same time he bought another domain. Um, he's a big fan of uh, Jalo movies Who? and the Jalo genre, and so he bought a domain name called Jalo Shots right, that I'm, he thought was. I'm, well, I'm, I'm drowning here. What's Jalo genre? I, I feel so out of out of the loop. What uh, are you talking about? Jalo like uh, Italian horror from the 70s. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, got it. And so, so he bought a domain name called jalo shots that he thought was a funny pun like i I think he bought slug nuts at the same time as that like that was his drunken like oh these are hilarious and he and i together i think own i probably own 50 domains Mm, at this point and it's because every time I have some idiotic idea, I run off and buy the domain name. <laughs> oh, good for you. Hey, some someday that's going to pay off big. Yeah, and I keep re- I keep renewing. Like I I actually owned the domain name Earthfarts. Hey. Dot com. Um, that sounds very new agey. Like you know maybe yeah. maybe, maybe you could sell some crystals or something on that. Yeah, it was. It's, it's just I don't know. It's just stupid. I don't know. Well, you know, I could I'm probably save a lot of money by by yeah, shaving be, down those no, domain renewals. You seem to renewals. be ready to spend money whenever it comes to a stupid idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know you're keeping the economy afloat, so I you're am. doing your part. Yeah, I am. It's the service economy, you know. So <laughs> I think there's some people, there's some uh, some people in Bangladesh who owe you a. Oh, you're dead of gratitude. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I just view, I'll view, instead of viewing that as uh, completely irresponsible purchases, I'm going to view that as me, uh, you know, helping the. the you are, come. yeah. You got to sp- you got to sh- spread it around, man. That's Absolutely. how it works. That's right. <sighs> okay, That's good. Good to know. Now, okay, I want to ask you some more about the end times and stuff. So you started writing that during the Obama ed- administration. So, but mm-hmm. what started, what inspired you to start doing political cartoons? What was, what was your feeling? And all right, you answered that first and I'll follow up. You know, honestly, I don't remember to be, to be truthful. Um, we, Good answer. <clears throat> excuse me. No, we were we Mike and I like like I said we worked together forever and we always like we would go to lunch together and we're always like we always had this joke about like billion dollar ideas that we had and so every like almost every lunch break we had like two or three like you know what we ought to do is do this right and it was it, it's always like just something idiotic exactly. and then at some point like I I think we realized, you know what, we have a little time and we have the money now. So, and, and our you know life is short. So why don't we just start doing some of these stupid things? And with no, we have like, we have no, uh, dreams of, of it becoming like in, 
huge and like you know becoming stars or anything like that we just do it we just do it because we can Mm -hmm. and we like doing it and you know it's actually it's really fun and it's sort of my i you know by day i um i work uh in in it and it's it's a very uh soul-sucking like unfulfilling career right for me um, but it pays the bills, right. and and so you know uh, to to get enjoyment out of my life, I I chase all of these ridiculous uh, projects mm-hmm. now, and I've sort of you know I after having a little bit of success with a few of them, I mean not 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 I'm not talking like monetarily or anything, but just having a couple of people go, hey, you know, that's, that's actually kind of funny. Just right. just any sort of any sort of positive feedback. Any positive feedback, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what yeah. it's all about. Yeah, and I'm like, well, you know, hey, let's let's try this. And so we have just enough confidence now to start chasing all of these other ridiculous ideas yeah yeah exactly you know and and i like i said when i die people are going to walk into my house and go oh my god a crazy person lived here and that's i think that's you know another part uh, another part of it is i have absolutely one of the things that i've as an adult uh, one of the things that i really enjoy about aging is i have absolutely no fear of failure anymore right like i used to i was mortified by someone thinking that i was inept or didn't do it a good job or you know like i you know performing writing a song or or doing any kind of thing like that there's always this horror just absolute horror that it wasn't going to be accepted or somebody wasn't going to think it was good now at this age i don't care at all i have absolutely no fear and that's so liberating that's good. like that that's the i think that's the secret so now I have no fear and I have a little bit of money. And so I, I just, you know, just like whatever idiotic thing comes through my, through my brain. We're like, hey, you know, why not? I don't, you only live once, right? That's great. Oh, no, 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 no. That was, I think I just said that YOLO thing. Don't, don't, yeah. I, I, card, <sighs> I prefer. Oh, my God. Hashtag, I prefer, hashtag. I prefer carpe diem. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, th- now that brings me to another question. Okay. One of my favorite cartoons that you've done is the the one making fun of the hipster who's also an anti vaxxer, so he's collecting Yeah. He's, he's collecting the what artisanal ancient uh He's collecting vintage viruses. Vintage yeah. viruses, that's it. Vintage viruses. And you've got the hipster yeah. with like the the uh, old timey big wheel bicycle. What's it called? A yeah. bone shaker or whatever it is. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, a little ukulele and he's got his vinyl uh, record player and he's collecting yeah. his viruses. And, and he has a chicken. And, uh, a chi- I was- <laughs> and oh yeah, because you got to raise your eggs in the back- yeah, if you, backyard. Yeah, if you yeah. have your backyard chickens. So yeah. that one, I just think that one was so perfect. It had everything at the right time and the anti-vaxxers are so ridiculous and it just tied everything up in a hilarious little package. Oh, well, but, thank you. I want to ask you, so getting to this hipster lifestyle, culture, what, I don't even know, what the hell's going on? And here I am across the ocean, and I have seen, I only get hints and bits and pieces of what's going on. Uh, You know, the word hipster has 
meant different things in different decades. What's going on? And what do you see? And tell me what, what is happening? I, you know, I, I'm not really sure because I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I don't go out every night like I used to. Things like that. So I'm, I'm not really hooked into that culture, but it, it seems like, I don't know. I have a, I have a really weird relationship with those people because it like philosophically, like I, I understand and I agree, but like in practice, it, it's really irritating to me. I don't, I well, don't know. I don't know, do I don't know they, if that makes any sense. All right, this is, this is what I'd like to know. Is there a philosophy attached? Cause that's the thing that kind of great rubs me the wrong way is that I feel like it's style over substance and that there is well, not, yeah. uh, there is not an underlying deep philosophy that's part well, of it. Right. Okay. I think you're, I think you're, I think you're right. I think it's very superficial, but I mean like, for example, uh, I think that I, I absolutely understand why you would raise chickens in your backyard. You know, I think that's great. Yes. But, but, but when it becomes an accessory to your lifestyle, right? Like then you would, you would, you would look down at people who don't, don't raise chickens or that. You, yeah. Yeah. Or that you're comparing your, your chicken coop like right oh my god they bought a chicken coop at walmart instead of like getting right and and like records you know like i i have a record collection i've i've had a record collection for you know all my life and and so but now it's like a really it's a real hipster thing these records and so Yes, I agree. I understand the beauty of vinyl. I, I understand the aesthetic love of it. I understand why you do it. But I don't – yeah, like again, again, when it becomes an accessory to your lifestyle, you know, it, it feel, I don't know. It feels forced. It feels put on. You know? yeah. So I guess that's what I mean by I, – like I understand the philosophy. That I guess philosophy was the wrong word, but – like a lot of the things that they're they're doing, you know, man, I hey, I love a good craft beer, you know, but right. I don't I don't need to make a lifestyle out of it. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Okay, it's yeah, just, that that's kind of how I feel. I mean, yeah. I would love to always eat locally sourced vet fruits and vegetables right. and whatever right. or what have you. But Yeah, uh, I completely and, you know, agree with that. If that was right. the choice, if if it was a reality and I could just check a checklist and that's what it would be that's great but you know i've reached a point where i have more of a reality-based opinion that sometimes you're just gonna have to buy some groceries that were farmed in factory farming or you know that were shipped from somewhere else because otherwise you just cannot afford to feed your family exactly you know when you have to look at it from a long term perspective right but yeah yes. I'm, I'm all for it i would i would love it but then also i don't well okay i'm projecting that perhaps or some of the vibes i'm picking up are that there's a certain ilk of people who might look down on people who can't always go organic locally sourced blah 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 yeah yeah there is there there is there's that i, I think that's are there any the, in that, that's right what's off is there a, is there, a, uh, is there a, a a substrat of this in in your neighborhood oh absolutely yeah they're all over the place 
And where are you? Are you in Lo- uh, Lower Greenville right now, or the M Streets? Where do you live? Yeah, I well, I'm uh, I'm just n- north of Mockingbird. Oh, okay. Uh, right right around in that area. Yeah, close to White Rock. Oh, nice. People who yeah. don't live in Dallas will not know what the hell we're talking about. Right, exactly. But yeah, no, it's it's a nice, comfortable. Uh, I, I mean, you know, I'm around around some of my people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort of isolated from uh, that that terrible red that uh, uh, right you're surrounds little, us. You're a little blue, blue, <laughs> yeah, blue little ice. blue island. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, being a liberal in Texas, that's uh, yeah, it's, uh, a special breed. This relates a bit because I want to talk about half-price books and records. Mm-hmm. Because when I met you, you were working at half-price books and records. Yes, yes. And that place, okay, that was, speaking of vinyl and speaking of ideas and speaking of being a liberal in Texas, tell me, tell tell the audience, all whoever that might be, what is Half Price Books and Records? Uh, it is a used bookstore, record store, uh, in chain in Texas. It's based in Dallas. And it's sort of where, uh, uh, I don't know, sort of, how, how would you describe those how do you describe those people? I, well, I want you to describe me. it. That's what I'm asking you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, sort of the uh, when when I worked there, it was a lot of people who the majority of the people that worked there were people who had either were in college or just finished college and come back and were you know had no idea what they were going to do with their lives you're talking about and the employees or the or the, the employees clients? i'm talking okay. about the employees uh-huh. um and that's where i met mike thomason you know as well right um and so it 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 does sort of attract like a like you know a, a liberal mindset i guess and i, I don't know there, but people who love books, uh, people who you know, uh, I guess there's a lot of a lot of drinking uh, involved. <laughs> uh, but it's you know, it's a used bookstore, used bookstore. Well, yeah, tell me about the chain, because first of all, they have they are a business success, right? Am I right about that? Yes, they, In, yes, from yes a, they are. From a purely capitalistic, cold-blooded uh, point of view, there they have found a, a niche within the. Mm-hmm market is that true or not am i imagining that, that, that is, or is that no, correct no that is true and that was one of the jokes uh amongst people who worked at half price books was half price books was successful sort of in spite of itself right you know like <laughs> because there there was it kind of a kind of a, the leader the leadership of the owners of half price books had kind of a hippie mentality and everything you know and and it's uh they're so they have become successful at mm-hmm. that without having really been like, you know, horrible corporate, corporate right. vultures, you know, or, right. or things. Yeah, so it was so. a successful company, but that yeah. allowed them to have a nice environment for yes. their employees and their customers. Yes. And this environment was like a very bohemian, welcoming, laid back, very laid back. Uh, right environment are they yeah, still in business used, are they still doing okay 
Yeah, yeah. They're, no, they're doing they're doing great. And um, I yeah, we used to be able to smoke in the stores. Like <laughs> you could way back. Yeah, you like roll your cart around with your books on it and smoke like while God. you're talking to a customer. You know. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, it was something. Now, but tell me about working there. What was it like working there? Um, it was well. It was really fantastic. I mean that. It was a it was a great experience for me because what happened was I I got there um, after some you know f- actually I guess uh, fa- a fairly terrible event happened in my life but uh, we I I I ended up at Half Price Books and it was sort of a you know kind of a trying to get myself back uh, on back on track and get and, and everything and. I ended up with all these people who were they're very booked like some of the people that worked there one of one of my best friends who I still am, am friends with to this day like uh, you know these people were were working on their PhDs and you know so I I learned a lot from them. Uh, there was a lot of these people, you know, just back and forth with these, with books, with philosophy books, uh, with history, and there was this really, the backroom discussions were actually really highbrow, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, I, w- I and, would think so. And so, and we had all these, we had all these fantastic books and all these different, these different perspectives and different ages of people that were working there too. And so I, I feel like I learned a lot. Uh, my, my, I guess, literary vocabulary and my philosophical vocabulary and my just understanding of history, all those things sort of blossomed there. Uh, it, was a, it was a really great learning environment. Um, you know, I, I we were, we didn't really care. We were, I mean, we were all just kids there. Just you know, we wanted enough money to be able to go hang out and drink that night. You know, and right. pay our bills. You know, we we weren't striving for anything greater than that. But um, and that was another thing. It was a very tight knit community of the people that worked there too, because um, we not only did we work together. But we all lived in the same area or around Greenville Avenue, and we all would go hang out with each other at night. So the same people you worked with, you would – as soon as the store was closed, you would go to the bars with and hang out with, and then you would all end up sleeping on each other's floor and getting up and going to work the next day and you know rinse and repeat. And so we all became very, very close um, – and you know it was it was it was a very bohemian thing, but there were some there's some the the best some of the best friends I've ever had in my life I met there, and they are still my friends. And you know they're like I said, most of them now. Like uh, for example, one of them is on the board of directors at Half Price Books uh, as a vice president. Vice president Mike Mike Thomason. He's on the board of directors of Half yes. Price Books. Yes, he well, is. What He's, the hell do you know? But yeah, it was like this wow. just really wonderful like we would all kind of go get drunk with each other. We were all confused about what we were going to do in our lives and and a lot of um oh and then a lot of musicians would mm-hmm. work would work there too because that was a good day job 
right. that was friendly for being able to play. So you know, we we had a lot of we had a lot of the the local music talent kind of working mm-hmm. there as well. And so it was just it was a really good network of people. But yeah, I think you you described it well with the sort of bohemian culture. And it was, you know, we all loved our Charles Bukowski and our, you know. <laughs> right. But yeah, it was for, well, for a young man at that point, in that age, it was really fantastic. It really, I, I think I grew a lot there. I learned a lot there. Well, yeah, that's how I remember it. I mean, it was, a, yeah. there was in Plano, there was the half price books on like right down on 15th Street or something that, that one of the old buildings and like. That was one of the few places I could go where you could have like a bit of uh, respite from the from the horrible yeah horrible day to day life of s- suburban Texas yes and you could you could you could browse and buy weird books and you know yes yeah, it's very much a refuge for a refuge type yeah, place yeah yeah and then yeah. when I found you guys well when I met when Mike introduced me to you guys out there in the uh, that branch on Central Expressway. Yeah. Well, which branch was that? That's the. It was uh, in Richardson. Richardson, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow, you guys, this is. I mean, it was a real refuge. Totally yeah. a refuge. Yeah. I mean, we we actually. I, I don't know. <laughs> there, uh, I don't know how much of this I need to go into detail, but, you know, I mean, it was not uncommon to go to lunch with your friends and, you know, smoke a joint in the car. And come back, and you know half the half the staff was high. So that well, was. <laughs> I don't think you had to say that. I think we all yeah. knew that already. <laughs> Everyone sort of that yeah. was that was the okay. subtext. We already yeah. <laughs> read between the lines. <laughs> okay. okay, yeah, but you know, and but we would love to do. We would love to discuss uh, philosophy with you. I, oh, you know, sure. I had there were articles done. Uh, Dallas Observer, you know, occasionally we'd do an article about about half price books, and it was funny because when I worked there, uh, I had more than one person come in to the store, like people suburbanites who probably had never been in before, and they read this article, and come in and say to me, "Are you one of those bookstore people who like secretly has a PhD in philosophy?" Wow, and yeah, it was like that was sort of the that was. I, I guess I guess sort of the impression that would get right. off. So it was like a in, in, nowadays it'd be like a tourist attraction. Yeah, it'd yeah. Be, you know, it'd be on Yelp or like you know <laughs> TripAdvisor. Like right. if you're visiting Dallas and you want to see some local, you want right. to check out some local Bohemians, go to Half Price Books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was a great. That was a great time. It was a yes, really wonderful. Yes, it was. Yeah. You lucky bastard. It's funny, you know. I I don't sleep at night. Uh, I'm I'm up a lot working. That's when I have my time to Colin is asleep, my son, mm-hmm. and uh, that's when I have time to work on things. Um, and it's funny because you're in Singapore. Right. There's this time like difference. I'm like at work. So, like yeah, <laughs> yeah like I'm you're at work. I'm awake during the daily grind. Yeah, and it's it's funny because just those our circumstances have allowed us to be like, oh hey, hey, hey there's Dave, right. hey, there's talk. <laughs> it's just yeah. Whereas it would have it would have been a really weird. We would have never had that, but now it's like common thing for me to be like, uh, make a cup of coffee, and I look over and look, oh hey, there's Dave. What are you What are you up to? Right. I mean, it's <laughs> part of this world we live in now, which is, you know, in some ways, it's 
unbelievable. Like, if you had been, like, let's just wind the clock back to, say, 1985, trying to predict what the world's going to be like in 2017. Yeah. There were all kinds of science fiction ideas, but I never saw any that accurately predicted what it's like right now. And it, right. it is nuts. It's amazing. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's scary. And social media is a big part of it. Just the mm-hmm. communication technology. Like I have had this experience where not not very long ago, because I travel a lot. I have traveled because of my job. Let's say, for example, I've been away from the away from home, traveling in another foreign country, and I'm in some foreign country, walking around. I've got my iPhone, and I'm chatting, whether it's on WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger. I'm chatting mm-hmm. with a couple of people around the world, like like yeah. a few different people around the world who are in different continents and different time zones. And I'm just yeah. having like whatever kind of conversation I want. And to me, it feels like telepathy. Like, because, yeah, because you're yeah. walking around, you're doing your business. You're just being a normal person on the street. No one around you knows that you're carrying on three conversations with three different people right. in yeah. different parts of the world. It is like being fucking telepathic. And it's, yeah. it's wonderful, yeah. and it's a bit scary too. It's like a bit. Uh-huh. It's it's unreal. It's like it's the kind of thing you never would have exactly predicted. This is how right. your life is, and it's just because of technology. And yeah, yeah, it's wild. It's really wild. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and soon we probably will be legitimately telepathic because of technology, right? Because it's heading that direction. <sighs> But even yes. before we get there, where it's just a message, but the thing is, it's like you've got immediate real-time messaging on your mm-hmm. personal device, wherever you are. It's surreal. Yeah. yeah, if you look at a, like if you if you look, just step away from how it evolved and just look at the smartphone. I mean, that is a Star Trek communicator. Yeah, you know? Yeah, and now have you seen that? Uh, have you seen that? I saw this tricorder, the other day. That's what it's called, right? A tricorder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that they have real-time translation software. Yeah, it, now yes, in Skype even yeah. has it. Yeah, it's the Babelfish. Yeah. Like a, yeah, a lot it, of sci-fi exactly. ideas are becoming real now. A lot of them. Yeah, it's like Barbarella's tongue box. You know, <laughs> I don't remember that exactly. I. I, I know I watched Barbarella. The only thing that comes to mind <laughs> is the costumes and Jane Fonda, which yeah. I will never not want that to come to mind. But <laughs> yeah, that's uh, no, it's it, that's a pleasant image. Yeah, pleasant. Uh, image. I have to. <laughs> I love schlocky movies too. I love schlocky movies. But um, yeah, she had this. She had this little. Uh, I think it was called a tongue box, and and so yeah, did. she would if she if she and <laughs> if she uh, if she. <laughs> met with a an alien species uh-huh. and she couldn't talk to she would just dial it right and then there but but now but we're there we can do that we are there it's crazy i mean things are accelerating mm. at an amazing pace right now right yeah and exponentially you and i our generation we are the we are the generation that was the last generation to be raised without the internet and the yeah. first generation to jump into the internet so right, we are like at a we're weird sort of that cusp. bridge. We're on a cusp. Yeah, we're 
We're that bridge generation. Bridge. It's funny because my, I'm, I'm sure that you, uh, you have the same experience, but my, my son, like he'll bring his iPad to me and he's like, dad, when you were little and with your iPad, I'm like, dude, we didn't have, we didn't have iPads. Oh, yeah, you when mean I was- my pad of paper? Well, yes, son. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's, he's amazed when I tell him that used to, when you would watch TV, like it was on a schedule and you had to just watch TV. Right. Like you, like if you wanted to watch that show, you had to be home at seven thirty, right. and you'd be around the TV to watch it. And everyone right. had to be quiet. Like, you know, and he's in his room with Roku, you know, just (laughs) dialing up whatever he wants to watch. Yeah, and it's just completely different. It's weird. I'm I'm that old guy now, like, trying to explain dinosaur technology. It's weird. It's a very strange place to be. (laughs) Hey, uh, I didn't (laughs) – this is one of my favorite Dave stories is I remember – that you and maybe you can help refresh my memory because maybe it's, it's but I remember that you didn't you take a, a phone job at like some sort of sex toy distributor oh, yeah, or yeah, something yeah. that was the, yeah uh, Adam and Eve it was Adam and Eve yeah, one okay of the largest because online uh, well at that time it was ma- a mail order catalog uh, yeah novelties business in the world. Yeah, because I remember you telling me that you you had to say, "Would you like that in black, white, or mulatto?" And I, <laughs> I just, I just remember the idea of you on the phone talking to some person, ordering some adult toy, and you having to say that line like that's part of that's a part of your script, right? Would you like that in black, white, or mulatto? Oh, that yeah. was yeah. That's one of the things I remember the most too. It was like it was hilarious. Okay, so PHE is the parent company. Uh, they're headquartered in uh, I think it's Carborough, North Carolina, and it was the mm-hmm. ultimate slacker job. I was out there being a slacker. And I had the third shift, which is like uh, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., answering inbound sales calls for Adam and Eve, <laughs> Adam and Eve uh, adult novelty uh, adult products. Uh, and yeah. it was a singular experience. <sighs> wow. Yeah, there's a couple of things that spring to mind. One is that the, the first shift, which is what, 7 a.m. to... Uh, 4 p.m. or whatever that is, uh, they were all, uh, the majority of them were like Christian grandmothers who came in and did their job. They had their desks. They had their pictures of their grandkids. They had their uh, little cutout prayers of the one, you know, uh, what's that prayer about? The, the footprint, footsteps. footprints in the sand. Yeah, like, footprints. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, because I was carrying you, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. And oh, then they God. would sit there and answer the in inbound calls and sell the triple ripple jelly butt plugs and the um the I love you <laughs> inflatable sheep novelty toy and uh, <laughs> things like that and uh, yeah then came around to third shift again and uh, the degenerates the weird drifters and college students would come in and we'd sit there at these uh, CRTs. Uh, I think they were monochromatic uh, Uh computer CRTs and uh, they had a a quite extensive catalog 
and people would call in from around the world and place their orders for what they needed for their adult products, which were doing a service. And in fact, the guy who started the company, I think his name was like Phil Henry or Phil Harvey or something like that. Mm-hmm. His his stated motive for this whole thing was just to get affordable birth control into the hands of people who needed it. He wanted to have wow. condoms available, a not you know where you would they would be shipped in anonymous packages. So if you needed condoms, you could get condoms wherever you were. So you could have birth control. That was like he stated that as his main goal, which is a uh-huh. noble goal. But right. in the same yeah. time, he you know had everything else that you need for uh, a you know fun time. And yes, there were uh, there was the catalog, and depending on the product, there was one there was a handful of products where there were some choices. And if you if the customer asked for the specific product, the next choice that had to be made was was did you want black, white, or mulatto? And I remember one guy <laughs> calling who sounded, and I believe from his name and his accent, he sounded Arabic, and he was ordering one of these. And when it came to that choice, he's like, "What? what is mulatto? I don't know what is this. What is mulatto? I said, eh, mulatto is kind of like a mix, black and white. He's like, okay, I want that one. <laughs> you know, I just realized, yeah, I remember you I remember you telling us all these tales. Uh, and I remember always enjoying listening to your the yarns you would spin about having <laughs> having worked there. Uh, and you, you know, I'm noticing a trend because you're not the only friend of mine who had a job in that industry. Oh, I'm sure. There's like two or th- two or three other friends who who made who made a living. Did any of them also so, work for Adam and Eve? No, I mail believe order. Uh, they were. Uh, this was before so, online. This was just a mail order. Yeah, no yeah. one. One of them, one of them was a is is a woman, and she used to have like the like sex toy parties. You oh, know, okay, she yeah, would try like to sell. Tupperware yeah. kind of for sex. Yeah, toys, like yeah. Tupper Tupperware. Yeah, that's a good for deal. Sex toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now there were a couple other re- memories that stand out because that was a brief. That was really a brief window in my life when I worked there. But it was great. I mean, at that, and like I say, it's a slacker job. I mean it. Like I. That was when I was really like a, I thought slacking was like a way of life. And it wasn't long after that. It was part of that experience when I realized like, uh, no, you can't be a slacker forever. You have to be responsible. Like you can't couch surf, you know, that's not a viable, uh, plan for your future. (laughs) Um, but there were, that was a kind of a glorious window of nonsense in my life. And, uh, that job was was a singular experience and, and a couple of other memories that have remained because they were so vivid. The other one was uh, a call I got from a guy with a very, very strong Midwest accent like Fargo, kind of like Fargo, North North uh-huh. Dakota, that kind of accent. He was calling. He'd already made his purchase. He, wasn't, he didn't want to buy anything else. He had a customer service problem, which is he had... Uh, bought a product which he liked a lot which was what which was one of the uh masturbatory sleeves you know like a little hand uh uh, little kind of hand mitten type thing that looked a bit like a 
human mouth and had some knobbies inside for extra pleasure. Uh, he he really loved it. It was a good product. Uh, PHE only sells good products. and But his problem was, see, he'd been using it. He decided he needed a little something extra, so he'd been putting Icy Hot inside. Uh, oh. You know what Icy Hot is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Icy Hot. Yeah, that, I use like, it for my old man bones. Yeah, like liniment of some kind of like really strong menthol. Yeah, like a menthol. menthol yeah. Kind of liniment. And the Icy Hot triggered a chemical reaction with the latex of the sleeve. Oh. And so the little knobbies, instead of becoming soft and pliable and pleasurable, became like hard and rigid and like painful. <laughs> so that was his well, that was his complaint. And the thing is, I wish I could do a Fargo, North Dakota accent because that's what really <laughs> made it. That's what really made it like a perfect experience was hearing this guy uh, explain his plight in that accent and it was just i was just i was uh, over the moon <laughs> you know that that's sort of that that aspect has been kind of lost i guess because now with the online with, with the ability to order everything online mm-hmm. like you can without you talking can, to a human like without talking to a human yeah cuz i remember like as a teenager like if you wanted a dirty magazine or movie, like you had to drive to those places, uh, like off Old Denton Road, <laughs> like way, way up in there, and you know you had to like deal with weirdos right. and, and creepy, it. yeah, and kind of creepy people, yeah. So you really, yeah, you really had to, you really had to work for it. Um, and nowadays, you know, you just uh, it's on a too whim, easy. you just. Yeah, porn. Yeah, is, it's, porn is too easy for the kids these days. It's too easy. It really exactly. is. <laughs> now you were, you reminded uh, me of one more experience, which was really crazy and like totally like what I think you and I would have done, and like I totally reacted to it like positively because so so I was working like I said eleven p.m. to seven in the morning. I remember once I got a call about three a.m. or something like that, which is a very slow period. You can imagine there's not many calls coming yeah. in. I got this call and this guy's like, Hey, uh, yeah, I've got your catalog, but I don't really want to order. Um, have you ever read Fahrenheit 450, 451? <laughs> Was it 451 or 454? <laughs> yeah, Fahrenheit, 451. Have you ever read Fahrenheit 451? It's like, yeah, I've read it. It's like, well, you know, I've got this book report due tomorrow morning and it's like 3 a.m. and I haven't finished the book and I just thought, you know, does anyone there give me some help? <laughs> Are you serious? I'm wow. totally serious. He, <laughs> this college student w- had not read the book all the way through and thought, you know what? I'll just call the Adam and Eve order line and see if anyone there has read the book. That it, is it's brilliant. You know, it really is. It's so resourceful. Very I, resourceful. I'm really amazed. I yeah. was Pri- quite taken prior- with the young with the young chap. <laughs> yeah. Prior to the internet. Yeah. You're like, what what would I do? Right. Yeah. Man, that's amazing. So I that remember, kid's probably a billionaire. I remember like right talking now. him through it, like because also it was very slow, so we were bored. So I was like, All right, yeah, well what do you remember? You know, let's talk about this. I think I helped. I totally do a, see you doing I I that. Yeah, do an outline. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, those are good. Times. Those are the, those are the beautiful moments of life. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, yeah. I've had everything I've ever wanted in my life. Yeah. Not all exactly. Right. <laughs> oh man. Before the internet, our generation or my generation, like people that I went to college with, we were our own nodes of hyperlinks, which is like we, right. we would the the whole joy of being together is like go to Denny's or IHOP, sit there and eat pancakes and hash browns and drink coffee, and we would all share our knowledge that we had in our onboard C drives of our brains, and we would link to different things. Like we would each each of us had knowledge that the others didn't have. And like right. those, that was the nodes that we had, and that's what we got off on. And now you don't you don't you know, need that. You can go online and it's all there. But before that, right. we had to do it peer to peer. Yeah, and that kind of that kind of brings me that kind of brings us full circle back to half price books. Right. Is that was that was like sort of my information highway. I had that whole bookstore, and so if we. If if me and my friends, we would get stoned, and then we would all talk to each other about some ridiculous theory, and then we had at our fingertips like this entire bookstore, and we would go and pull books, and you know somebody would recommend like, oh, you should read this, you should read this and that, and so we would, yeah, but yeah, that's 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 exactly that's how we did it back then. Right. <laughs> wow. Well, Kyle, this has been great. This has been fun. Yeah, this has been this has been very nice. Very nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you too. And it, it's ver- mm-hmm. it's very cool. It I I you know one of the things about so, I, mean, I think social media is pretty terrible in many ways, but right. I I do I do love that it has allowed me to keep in touch with people that you know especially as i get older and i look back and i'm like these are the interesting people in my life like the these are the people that i i really enjoyed and i'm really happy that i'm able to maintain contact with them and i can be picky and choosy and you know and you're one of them and and so it's really nice to to maintain that that contact throughout the years. And I don't think without social media, without the internet, it would have been a lot more difficult. You know, like if you had moved to no, Singapore, yeah. right? Yeah. Like I wouldn't have your address. I wouldn't 80s, have your phone have number. To write letters back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. And so we would have lost contact with each other. Right. And so it's really, that's one of the things that I really appreciate about that is being able to get in touch with old friends and, and uh, and still be able to, uh, you know, like, hey, you know what? I actually like you. <laughs> Aww. Oh, isn't that sweet? Very sweet. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Kyle. All right. Someone Else's Memories by Revolution Void and Calm the Fuck Down by Broke for Free are used under a Creative Commons attribution license. <laughs>